Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Self a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented as always by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, 2001 to 2008. It was awesome. If you check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or any of the social media platforms at Ross Tucker pod at Ross Tucker NFL, you can and see the social media clips. You can see a couple of things. Number one, you can see the helmets that I wore. You can see some of the game balls. You can also see I am rocking my orange Princeton shirt. I don't even know if this is a sweatshirt. It's like a thin layer. I don't know. It's awesome. They're awesome. I'm fired up. Emory Hunt is awesome. 645 offensive players he graded. Now he's moved on to defense, fighting through all the defensive evals. We've talked quarterbacks. We've talked running backs. Today we're going to dive into the wide receivers. You should follow Emory like I do on Twitter, at FBallGamePlan. He's also football game plan on YouTube and footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. Emery, I love when you get excited about your raging Cajuns, but have they ever been in the Sweet 16? They have not. <laughs> and listen, I'm I'm joking with you, Ross, because let it be known, I had a full skit ready for when my Cajuns would have beaten Tennessee. I, I was so ready for it to happen because I had a whole production laid out. Now we'll never get to see it. You know what's funny? Um, I should have told this story on the Ross Tucker football podcast, which, by the way, is why you need to watch both. So, you know, I never really thought that much about playing college football, Emory, until I had a really good junior year, and I started getting letters from colleges. And the first two I got were Army and Navy. Um, But then the first visit I made, oh, I know, I had looked at like a college football preview. And I saw there was a couple kids from my county that were a year older than me. One went to Columbia, one went to Yale. I remember thinking, well, if those guys can go to the Ivy League, and they were two of the best players in in the league, but like maybe I can. So I remember looking at the Princeton College Football Magazine or the, you know, the College Football Magazine. I got them all. I bought them all. Street and Smith, Athlon, Mm -hmm. all of them, right? I bought them all. And the linemen were like 6'2", 285, 6'3", 275. And I remember thinking, Emery, distinctly, well, I'm 6'4". 
but I could never weigh that much. Like I could never weigh that much. Meanwhile, now I work out like twice a day to stay under 260. <laughs> um, and I was 337 when I got married. It's kind of funny to look back on it. But anyway, I go to a Princeton basketball game, probably January, uh, maybe February, but probably January, my junior year of high school. I don't tell anybody. I don't even realize you're supposed to tell the coaches you're coming and you meet with the coach. We just went. We just drove there and looked at the campus and went to a game and I don't know. And um, I loved it. And that was the year Princeton won the Ivy League. They went to the NCAA basketball tournament and they beat UCLA. Oh, that they was beat that, the that defending was champs. It was my junior of high school, 96. I stayed up all night to watch the game. And, and I was a huge into basketball memory. Like, 10th grade, I probably would have told you I thought I was going to be a Division three basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was – that was very impactful to me. Very. I'm not saying that's why I went to Princeton, but I'd seen the campus. I liked it. Then they beat UCLA, the defending cha- – like Ed O'Bannon and, like, Toby Bailey and all these guys. And I was just like, wow, man, that is awesome. I was, I was pumped. And then I go there. My freshman year, I think they were 32-1, and one, maybe. The only game they lost was at North Carolina by, like, three points to Julius Peppers and, like, mm-hmm. those guys. Ronald Curry and those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then they they were a five seed. Princeton was a five seed. Think about that. 1998, they beat UNLV in the opening round, which was awesome. And then they played the four or five game, and they lost to uh, Mateen Cleaves. And Michigan State, who I think went to the Final Four that year. They were yeah. like, oh, Mateen Cleaves went to the Final Four every year. So that was a tough draw for them that year. So anyway, man, I talked about this on the Raw Sucker podcast, but to watch them beat Arizona, who is good, with my daughters was amazing. And then Saturday, they just killed Missouri. I mean, that game wasn't even close. And so it is cool. The one thing that's super cool about like March Madness is they don't play till Friday night at 9. I am going to soak up every second of this. Like, like, what do they play, Thursday or Friday? They don't play they, the, oh, the Friday. And there's a late game Friday. Yeah. They think they play Thursday, Thursday night. No, no, they play Friday at 9. They play Friday night. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yes, no, the they play game. Friday at 9 against uh, Creighton, who I don't like. I don't mm-hmm. like Creighton because they're good, but they don't sound good. I right. don't want to play, like, Florida State, right, exactly. who sounds good. But they're not really good. <laughs> Creighton, I watched them um, against uh, – who they just beat? Oh, they beat Baylor. Creighton's mm-hmm. good. So, anyway, that was your that was your four minutes of me. It's a college show. It's the only show where I can say right. it. And right before we started the show, Emery saw me wearing my Princeton shirt. I'm, dude, I have so much Princeton gear, I can easily wear something different Princeton every day this week. <laughs> easily. Um, it's fun, man. Really, really it fun. It really is. And this that's the part that people um don't understand, man. Like you really carry college pride every you know, till the day you die. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just something about being in those in the at, at that program, being in the locker rooms, being a part of something uh like that. And it's it's a different type of uh pride that you have uh when your program is doing well. And it doesn't matter if this is the first time like the Cajuns made the NCAA for the first time since 2014, 
But this matchup against Tennessee was my freshman year uh, when we lost to Tennessee on a bogus non-foul call um, or bogus foul call. And I thought that team we had w- w- would have been a Sweet 16 team. Uh, but this this year, watch those guys do what they did, man. And again, watching the baseball team have success, the softball team have success, and the football team goes without saying. So it's just a, a great level of pride that you have when your program is doing great things. That's not a nationally known – like, we both went to Ohio State. It, it I mean, you know, it's, it's not the same as going to a mid-major or an FCS program uh, and doing and then having that success like that, you know. Two other thoughts on that. One is, I just don't know how you really have that if you transfer a couple times. Exactly. You know, like I, I am all for guys doing what's best for them and their family, and especially the grad transfer. I think it's cool. You get your degree, then you go somewhere else, start to get business school or grad school paid for, you get to play at a higher level or a different level. Totally get it. But some of these guys, college basketball, these guys like they switch schools every year. I just, I don't like the text messages from all my Princeton buddies the last few days. And so many of them are going to go down to Louisville for the game. It's just cool. And I think it's a little bit different. You know, if you went to multiple schools and every, every young man has, and, and woman has to make that decision for themselves. The other thing is that's especially cool, I think, at Princeton. So, like the Ivy League, there's no athletic scholarships, and school's hard. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's cool to watch these guys that are beating Arizona and Missouri, and just knowing like they have to write two junior papers like I did, they have to do a senior thesis like I did. Like, they're not on scholarship like I wasn't. They get need-based financial aid, which is very good, by the way, if you qualify. But it's just cool. Like they're like real student athletes. Student athletes, yeah. And not to say that the Arizona and Missouri guys are or aren't. I have no idea. I know this. There are places where they're real student athletes. I mean, I have teammates I play with in the NFL, Emory, that told me they didn't go to class once. <laughs> like didn't go to class once that can't um so I, I don't know um who knows uh what i know is we're diving into oh before we dive into the wide receivers i do want to say this the one thing i think that people lose sight of sometimes i don't know if anything jumps out to you from free agency yet but like the tight end market in free agency has been soft you know kasiki didn't get that much money dalton schultz hasn't signed yet the Raiders felt comfortable trading Waller. You know what that tells me, Emery? There's a lot of good tight ends this year in the draft. And they know they can get a good tight end in their mind for cheap. So like, why are you going to spend a lot of money on Waller or a free agent or whatever in their mind if it's a good draft? So what people don't realize is like free agency and the draft are very tied together. Yeah, because you have to really – you use free agency to fill, let's say uh, – major needs you know in terms of hey we got a gaping hole at tight end so we needed or we need a pass catcher we go get darren waller if you're the giants hey we need help on the back end if you're philly we okay okay, where do we pick what's available let's try to backfill some of that secondary help resign our guys get slay back in the fold you get um you get bradbury back in the fold you, you wanted to keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but you couldn't, but you like what you have at Reed Blankenship, who you got essentially free as an undrafted free agent. 
So now you have a little bit more flexibility going into the draft. And we talked about the quarterback market before teams that are picking in the top eight, let's put it that way, are now positioned to get quarterback. So of course they're not going to go after. Yes, you would, it would make sense to go after Lamar Jackson, MVP, young guy, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But if you have a chance to get someone that you want to grab on a rookie contract that is a very good prospect, you can sit pat and go and get, you know, one of these top three quarterbacks, your Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud. So, yeah, it, it does play a role. It does factor in. You know, Larry Tunsil, Larry Tunsil and also Orlando Brown have done a great job for offensive linemen. Maybe that tells you what people think about this offensive line. Uh, offensive tackle uh, class as well. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're dead on. A lot that goes on a free agency kind of, you know, tips his hand of how people or how the league views that position in the draft. So the other thing I think is interesting about today, and we talked about this last year, I don't think there's a position in the NFL with a greater variation of body types than wide receiver. Um, Emery's one of the few guys that ranks them by their specific position that he's projecting them at. And so, um, for those of you that aren't familiar, take him again, Emery, to the difference between split end, flanker, slot, and inside. I think some people know split end, flanker, slot. You're the one guy that has inside as a specific designation as well. So I want you to walk through that again, because I think that's important. Yeah, because you're splitting as your X, and how I view that, your X receiver is your your go-to guy, your bona fide number one. This is the guy that you feel like can beat one-on-one coverage. He can beat uh, press coverage. He has to excel in press. Everywhere else, you don't really have to be great at getting off press coverage or bump coverage, but as an X, you have to. These guys tend to be better at doing that than the other receiver. So that's how I project the X receiver. Your Z receiver is your more athletic guy. He's your take the top off the defense guy. He's a, the game breaker, so to speak. He's the one that if you, you know, keep him off the line of scrimmage, you can move him around the formation and let him just go free release and just fly. Right. And that's the guy that is a little bit more athletic than your X, your slot standard guy in the slot, usually a quick decision maker, that can be, you know, someone that's quick on his feet, quick with his decisions, and it doesn't necessarily mean he's a shorter, shiftier guy because you can have a big slot guy. It's all about foot quickness, get in and out of your brakes quickly, how you think on the fly, how you see coverage on the fly. Those make the best slot receivers. And the inside receiver is kind of like the big slot that people call it now, but we was called an inside receiver before it became popular, right? So we was pegging this position very early. And this is someone that can either play X, but also can play inside. So it's a cross between your X and your slot, but it's someone that works well mostly over the middle of the field, uh, can bang inside versus backers and safeties, and is not necessarily the more explosive guy on the outside. Last year, my number one inside guy was Garrett Wilson of the Jets, who ended up winning Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year. So when you look at an inside guy, you look at someone that has the ability to win inside like a slot, but also has that X mentality, that X physicality, um, and, and is usually a very good physical receiver. And that's how I, I tend to grade these guys. Because again, you're not going to ask Wes Welker, 
you're not going to agree with Wes Walker the same way you agree with Randy Moss. So you can't just list my top 30 wide receivers. No, there's some variance in there, and that shows your true scouting chops when you're able to differentiate and project moving forward. Yeah, I call that the Colston. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That's a perfect – that is the ideal inside guy. He he made a killing, an absolute killing, uh, playing as a bigger receiver in the slot down the middle of the field. All right, so I think people are going to be surprised, Emery, um, by your number one X receiver. I know I certainly was um, a little bit, and that is Mike Wilson from Stanford, not a guy that people are talking about a whole lot. Yeah, and here's this is if we go into the scouting room. You got to put an asterisk by Michael Wilson because it depends on if he's healthy, right? That's the big caveat because when he's healthy, he is phenomenal. Fluid route runner can get in and out of his brace, can win short, can win intermediate, can win deep down the field, does all those things you want your receiver to do, can win high above the rim, um, someone that can win with speed. He's perfect for today's game and and could be an excellent receiver, but the injuries have pegged him or plagued him, I'm sorry, at Stanford. But if the senior bowl is of any indication and if he can stay healthy, the asterisk, this guy is is legit. Now, my number two X is Dontavian Wicks uh, from Virginia. Big fan of what he did. Uh, at UVA, he's a big physical guy, plays with that dog mentality that I like. Was that guy like number 99 or something or 98 or something crazy? Yeah, some, some, no, he was number zero. Uh, okay. And um, and he is someone that that had a fantastic senior bowl, but he w- wins rather well um, at all levels of the field. He's good. And so people, I'm going to give you one, two, three, and four, right? So third, I have Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa State. Um Big fan of him. He, he's another one that, that could win at all levels of the field, plays a good, fluid game. And number four, Antoine Green. This is a surprise from uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. I was shocked to see how well his tape was because I got to his tape before I got to Josh Downs. I was like, man, this dude over here is nice. He's good. And so those are my top four X's. Interesting. Okay. Um, let's move on to the flanker position. Before we move on to your flanker, I do want to make sure people know with March Madness going on, especially my Princeton Tigers, that right now you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up with code Ross, and right now new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. That's only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code Ross. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for details. All right, Emery, your number one flanker, the Y, they, I'm sorry, the Z, they call it. And it's funny because we're going to start with the guy that has a Z in his first name, Zay Flowers. And Zay Flowers gets my – he's one of the players so far in this draft class um, that has – gotten the ever so rare 90 grade his tape was just undeniable and it was just ridiculous i comped him to tyreek hill with how explosive he is in all directions like everything he does is explosive and i just couldn't get past that no matter what game you watch you like 
this dude has the juice and he can play on the outside. You know, I don't care how tall he is or how big he is. You know, I'm team size is not a skill, but Zay Flowers is tremendous. And I would definitely feel comfortable taking him uh, in the first round if I needed a wide receiver because he's a tremendous game breaker. At number two, Jordan Addison. Again, don't care how, how much he weighed. We knew he wasn't 205 pounds when you watched him out there and you were at USC. And when you watched him at Pitt, you knew he was a slim guy, but he's someone that just is a you know silky smooth route runner that is very productive, good after the catch. Uh, someone kind of like that Marvin Jones-like uh, build where you can trust him on the outside. Very good receiver. Third, Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Big fan of him. And I think he has the potential to be the OBJ of this class right? Because that's how explosive he is. That's how dynamic he is. Not a lot of people are talking about him because the, he, you know, Nebraska's offense or whatnot, but he was a great punt returner at LSU. Great kickoff returner. Great with the ball in his hands, just like OBJ was. And I think this is someone that comes from that same uh, uh, mold and is cut from the same cloth. And lastly, um, at number four, I have Quinn, uh, Quentin Johnson, Johnson of TCU. Comped him to Tory Smith. He, he's a big guy uh, that has speed, you know, maybe is a little bit one dimensional in his route running in terms of how he runs. He's not as fluid, um, but he's a good receiver. He's going to be productive as a pro. He just may not be the, you know, Randy Moss, everyone that was talking about uh, him, but you know, Torrey Smith called out a very long, nice career uh, as a wide receiver too uh, in the NFL. And I think that's where Johnston fits. Yeah, that's interesting uh, about Johnston. Um, I love your rankings. I love that you've got different positions and different guys than other people do. How about the the slot receivers? Slot is at number one is Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State. Now, he is someone that could probably play any one of these three or four positions. So you like that versatility. But he's a really good receiver, good after the catch. Uh someone that has the, the quick decision-making and the quick shiftiness as evident by his testing at the combine, but you can see that on the field with how quickly he's able to get in and out of his breaks. And my second one, I give you two for the slot, is Josh Downs. He's another one that's just explosively quick and dynamic. You give him an open field, it's like trying to cover, you drop a defender in the parking lot and try to say, hey, man, you got, you know, sideline to, to the hash or hash to hash. Like it's, it's impossible to cover him with all that space, right? Because that's how dynamic and explosive he is. He puts a ton of strain on you uh, as the defender out in the slot. And if you give him a two-way go, forget about it. Just get the extra point team ready because it's going to be a touchdown. Hmm. Um, all right. And then finally, the uh, the position that, not, not that you invented, but that you discuss that other people don't as much. Because, you know, in fairness, Emery, there is a difference between like, your typical slot receiver like a Wes Welker or the smaller, quicker guy, and then your bigger guy, which is essentially, by the way, what like Mike Gesicki and some of these guys are. They're really just inside receivers. Exactly. You even look at someone like a Tyler Boyd, you know, could be technically an inside guy, although I think Boyd can play all four. But you look at where he wins consistently, it's constantly over the middle of the field and winning short and quick. Now, he could be a slot guy or he could be a big inside guy. And when we say big inside guy, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you got to be 6'4", 225, because these two guys here, uh, this is the Latrell Scott special. Uh, fantastic coach at East Carolina. He's a receivers coach because one and two 
are East Carolina Pirates. Number one, C.J. Johnson, the big physical receiver, just a big fan of his physicality uh, and how he blocks on the inside, which is another key part of being an inside receiver, not afraid to bang, and also a good job in, in a red zone, short red zone, where he's winning jump balls over the receiver, I mean, over the defensive back, high red zone, where he's able to run that bang eight and not be afraid of contact coming on you know, the opposite side. He's a good receiver, had a really good week at the NFL PA Bowl. And number two, I've been a big fan of him since he signed with Latrell Scott at Norfolk State when he was the head coach down there, and that's Isaiah Winstead. We've seen him go from Norfolk State to Akron or Toledo, I believe, um, and then he transferred to East Carolina, and he has that dog mentality that I love, man. If if there was a George Pickens mentality award in this year's draft, it's Isaiah Winstead because he plays like he is like the biggest, baddest, you know what on the block. And I'm a big fan of how he wins uh, as well. He, I saw him down to College Gridiron Showcase. So not only do you get uh, Latrell Scott getting both of these guys highly ranked on his list because he's a fantastic coach, but you also get two guys that are very physical, very much alike, but one in different ways um, or one in the same way uh, at different positions at East Carolina, but both really went out there in the all-star game circuit and had success. Interesting to me, uh, Emery, that you didn't mention either Tennessee guy, Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman. If you watch Tennessee play this year, obviously those guys put up big numbers with Hendon Hooker. Um, what do you think of those guys? Well, Cedric Tillman, and here's the thing, Ross. If I was like everybody else and I just graded 15 guys, then all the guys you name would be on, you know, in the list, you know, but here's the problem. When you grade so many, now you got a rank and file. So people may think I don't like Tillman or I don't like Wyatt, but I really do. They have high grades on both. Tillman is my number 11 X receiver. Big fan of him. I actually have a higher grade on him than I do on Jalen Wyatt, you know, because Tillman to me, the injury, I think knocked people off of him a little bit this year. But when you watch him play, he's a bona fide stud on the outside that can win short, intermediate, deep down the field and has great ball tracking skills and was productive over the course of his career. Wyatt is my number five slot receiver. So um, I'm, I'm sorry, number five Z receiver. So he could play in the slot, but I think with that speed, that explosiveness, get him on the move, constantly keep him going and just let him go. Now he could play slot or Z, but you like his explosiveness. You like his game breaking ability. You give him an open space. And again, it's you versus the goalposts. Uh, in terms of how fast he's going to get down the field. Um, and, and for your Princeton guy, Andre Isavas, uh, Yosivas, uh, he is someone. <laughs> Yosivas, Yosivas. Listen, I heard like pronounced like four different times. when I, I I'm pretty sure it's Andre Yosivas. I think the third time's a charm there. Hey, uh, you got it right, Yosivas. So he's my number nine Z. The thing about him is obviously he's ridiculously athletic, explosive, um dynamic was fantastic at the senior bowl but i feel like was he fantastic at the senior bowl i didn't know that he was he was fantastic like it was you know how it was like watching um watching him run routes in one-on-ones is like listen to jazz music it was just smooth just quiet just in rhythm and it was consistent like it was perfect um i just want to see him like what shocks you is that you watch him play and then you look at his testing numbers you're like wait a minute like damn i know he was that fast i know he was that explosive 
um, because he doesn't always play like that. You know, you want him to start to play up to his explosiveness or his, you know, agility numbers. Uh, once that starts to happen, sky's the limit. So he's going to be a fantastic pro. And um, and Tyler Scott, Cincinnati, people, a lot of people talk about him. He's my number 14 slot receiver. I have a good grade on him. Um, and another one that's just quick in all directions, like most slot guys tend to be. But for the most part, you want, you know, when you grade slot, some, and again, we're going to see this until college football changes how it is. But with the advent of these three and four wide receiver sets, you're going to have a bunch of guys to grade. So, yes, yeah, Scott may be in some people's top 15, but when you grade so many doggone receivers, and you got to just trust the tape and just stack guys where they fall. Check him out on social media like I do at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide will be out before you know it. It is interesting to hear your love for Zay Flowers because that was the guy that Greg Cosell was talking about on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast a couple weeks ago as well. So a lot of love for Zay Flowers out there. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. We will keep it rolling next week. We need to get into tight ends and O-line still on the offensive side of the ball. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.